just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and you know when you hear that intro, uh, you hear about God's grace and God's blessings. Um, there is a reality there as well uh, in the history of Christianity that is very difficult. It's dark at times. Uh, but if I think if we learn to look at it um, from a different perspective, a non-human perspective, God's perspective, we can maybe appreciate it better and understand it. There's a, there's an old book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, and it tells the stories of, of many Christians who have suffered for the, for the cause of Christ. Well, uh, that's an old book. There's a new book. It is available now. It is called The New Book of Christian Martyrs uh, and spans a, a lot of time and uh, tells a lot of stories. Uh, and I have one of the co-authors of this, Johnny Moore, is with me. It was co-written with uh, Jerry Pattengale. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk through some of this, and hopefully you'll uh, appreciate uh, just the, the, the way, I don't know, it's, I mean, you want to appreciate the way people have stood up for Christ, but yet also it's tough because you go, why did they have to suffer? Why did they have to die? Well, Johnny, welcome to Life Today Live. Hopefully you can help me with some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, it's good, good to be with you. And, you know, the, the truth is these stories are um, heart-wrenching. Mm. Sometimes they're terrifying, and yet they're all triumphant. I mean, it really does show uh, the, the, the power of the gospel, even in the worst circumstances. Uh, and, and and the truth is, for most of Christian history, people knew these stories. It's sort of a new phenomenon uh, in the last couple of generations that we've forgotten them. Yeah, well, I think the, the first and obvious question, given that it, this is a this is a thick book, this is a not this is not a sit down and, and right off the top of your head kind of book, a lot of research involved. Uh, a lot of fact checking, you know, as best you can do. A lot of sometimes I would think filling in some gaps and things. Um, why why did you take this on? Because this you you bit off a lot in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, seven years of work. It was originally two hundred pages longer. They they forced us to 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 carve it down. But but I'll tell you, exposure to the persecuted church changed my life mm. as, as an individual Christian. Like it totally, totally transformed me. And a few years ago, I mean, it's God just put it on my heart that, you know, we needed to educate a new generation of Christians um, on not only the the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ, but in his resurrection, but the sacrifice that sometimes it requires of us and the power of the resurrection that we can see in our own lives in the most difficult circumstances. And, and the truth is, in, in the United States of America, you know, where, where we're talking, where we live, where a, a lot of your, your audience lives, in early American history, if you had any book at all in your house, you, you probably had the Bible. Mm -hmm. And if you had a second book, you had this book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And the Bible told you how to live. And Fox's Book of Martyrs reminded you of sometimes the cost of those of those beliefs. And we're living in a time, even in the United States of America, where there's a greater cost sometimes to following Jesus. And so we told those stories all through history, from the very, very earliest stories we have to stories within the last couple of years of people that might, one of them was a student of my my co-author, Jerry Pattengill. She sat in his classes. And then later on, she died as a, a missionary martyr in Afghanistan. And this is more often than not the story of Christian history. 
Okay, so you're not just talking about some of the old stories that, that we know or that would have been in Foxes. You, you're updating this and talking about more recent events. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're incredible stories in, in recent years. In fact, there have been more martyrs in the last century than in the previous 19 centuries combined. Okay, so so we're living in this time of of increased increased sacrifice, and so we we included a lot. We included the stories of the twenty one Coptic martyrs that were killed by ISIS on a beach in Libya. We we included the the story of um, a Southern Baptist uh, medical missionary in in northern Iraq who was gunned down in her car as, as she, with with three others, but she had had left behind in a sealed envelope with her pastors in the United States, a letter to only open in the event of her death. And we like have the letter in the, in, in the book. And wow. so there, there are as many stories now as there are stories from, from, from the past, but, it, but, but by the way, the stories from the past are just absolutely incredible. They're filled with all these miraculous moments, uh, harrowing, harrowing accounts. Uh, and, and again, as, you know, as I said, these are stories that Christians used to know constantly. But hardly anyone knows them, it seems, anymore. What, um, what, I, I know this is not a singular answer, so I guess let me re- rethink it in my head. I was going to ask what drives martyrdom, but uh, what, what would be some of the top things that, that would put someone in a position where they would die for their faith? Yeah, well, one thing I, I want to be clear about, the, the subtitle of the book says the it's called the new book of Christian martyrs. The subtitle is the heroes of our faith in the first century, the 21st century. But, but I want to be clear, these heroes, they're not super Christians. Okay. Mm. These are not super Christians. These are regular everyday Christians Mm. like you and like me who happen to find themselves in a circumstance where they face the ultimatum under most circumstances, convert or, or die. Mm. And, uh, you know, today, I, I think a lot of people think that that mainly is an experience at the hands of certain types of terrorists, Islamist terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that definitely is the case. In Western Africa, we have, you know, more Christians were killed by terrorists in Western Africa than ISIS killed at their height in, in Iraq and Syria. But actually, the primary persecutor of Christians in the world um, still is uh, our communist regime. So communism really? is more than Islamist terrorist ideology is the primary persecutor of Christians. And so, so, and the primary source of martyrdom. So, so for instance, in North Korea, uh, we don't know the names of the victims, but, but we include a particular circumstance where we know over 10,000 Christians in North Korea were killed at one time in one circumstance. And so, you know, you could show up at your school, they could find out you have a house church, they could find out that you're, you're, you're carrying a Bible with you. And that alone is a reason to, to get you fired from your job, your kids kicked out of school, your life and livelihood taken away, sometimes in prison, sometimes killed. And so, you know, th- this, this is the reality. And, you know, the, the ultimatum convert or die um, is common in, in, in Christian history. It's common in our modern times, common previously. But what's a little shocking is, you know, while I, while I never want to draw comparisons between Christians being beheaded in Libya, okay, mm. and Christians being marginalized or treated differently or mocked because of their faith in the United States, there there is a similarity in the sense that the ultimatum is change your beliefs or else. And these stories 
remind us that there's a cost to following Jesus Christ. There's a lot of blessings. We always talk about the blessings and all that's real. Mm-hmm. But there's also a cost. We're to take up our cross and follow him. There's a cost of discipleship. And, and Jesus, um, as he was, as he was, you know, praying his last prayer, warned his disciples that one day people would kill you and believe that by killing you, they would be doing a service to God. That's exactly what Jesus said. And so I, I think we have to educate our children on the blessings of Christianity, but we have to also tell them, be very, very clear to them that sometimes there's a cost to this, uh, to, to this faith. You know, I, I, that's very interesting because you, you, I'm maybe like me, you, you, you bristle a little bit when you hear someone say, you know, Oh, my son wasn't allowed to, uh, quote a scripture in his valedictorian address, we're being persecuted, right? You're like, no, <laughs> you know, that's not the same. But at the same time, when you go, okay, how does a society get to the point where they are beheading Christians? Uh, it, it's, it starts there. And now, now, having that doesn't mean you're definitely going there, but you don't just go one day from having a, a wonderful, free, tolerant society to beheading people the next day. There are these incremental steps, and I think that's what you're alluding to, um, which means we shouldn't overreact, but we shouldn't underreact when we see these things. And we've seen these ramp up in the last, you know, well, I mean, over decades, I, I, I could see it, but it seems like very recently, last five years, eight years, maybe you can go back to sort of the, and it, I do think it is tied a lot of times to leaders, you know, um, we, we, there's some alarming things going on in the U.S., especially in Canada, Australia, places we think of it, you know, England that we think of as, as civilized, you know, uh, modern countries. Um, what, <laughs> what should be the response, do you think, when we see these news stories where you go, oh, geez, really? That just happened? That pastor just got arrested just for saying, just for quoting the Bible? Yeah, we should take it seriously. I mean... Again, persecuted Christians that I meet with around the world, they, they always say exactly what you said. It didn't start this way here. Okay, mm-hmm. They weren't putting us in jail and, you know, trying to kill us first. It was a slow, you know, squeeze. And, you know, in, in the United States, our tendency sometimes is, is to do exactly what you're saying, to overreact or to underreact. But we would have no United States without the First Amendment. And the first clause of the first sentence of the First Amendment is about protecting religious liberty. And so this is at the heart of the heart of who we who we are. And so so we do have to stand up for these things. We have to use our justice systems to fight for our rights and not be be ashamed about it. On the same token, we balance two things. One, we have to love our neighbors, ourselves. We continue to serve even those who disagree with us. You know, th- this is a book of stories of lots of Christians who forgave their enemies, including enemies that killed their relatives. Mm. Okay. And and yet, you know. Sometimes we have a tendency to quiet down and just hope that if we hunker down, it'll all be okay. But, you know, that's not Christianity either. I mean, Paul wrote to, to the church in, in Galatia. He said, if, if, you're, if you're going to be a servant of Jesus, you can't care about the opinions of people. Okay. So Christianity is controversial. It's always been controversial. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years of, of being in this world, but not of this world. And if you're going to decide every day what you're going to believe or what you're going to do or what you're going to say based upon whether it's controversial or not, you're going to be nothing, say nothing, believe nothing. And yet our, and yet our message of the gospel and the truth of God's word comes seasoned with, with this like salt. And that's also the story of these people. Mm. 
changed the world. Like one of the early martyrs um, was uh, a guy named Polycarp. And this guy was, he was incredible. He was 86 years old when they um, came after him in his city. And then the Christians in the city, everybody loved this guy. I mean, he was like a humanitarian. He served the poor. He helped everyone. Everybody loved him. He was like the old guy. When he walked down the street in Main Street, everybody wanted to take their picture with him. And the the Romans came to get him and they hid him in a farm. And then they found that farm because of someone that told where he was. And so he went to another farm. And finally, he said, like, I am not doing this anymore. And he prepared a feast for the Romans when they came to arrest him to take him to the Colosseum. He, he prepared a feast for them. And he was and he just said he was ready to die. And as they took him into the Colosseum filled with these bloodthirsty people wanted to see this old Christian, older Christian man die. Um, the story goes that, that, that he was offered the chance to recant his faith. Hmm. And Polycarp said, for 86 years, I have served Jesus and he has never forsaken me. Hmm. How can I forsake him now? Hmm. And then they, they tried to set him on fire, but the fire didn't touch his body, the story says. And so they killed him with a dagger. And the way the account goes is that um, when they killed him with the dagger, a, a, a fragrant smell like came out of him for the whole, and flooded the whole arena. That's the story in the ancient texts. And it was like a living demonstration of what, of what the Bible says that, you know, that the gospel is a fragrance to those from some from death to death, some from life to life, and all of these things. But the point that I'm making is that the story of Polycarp who was not ashamed of the gospel, he stood up even willing to die for it, was also the story of a man who served the poor, a man who prepared a feast for those who were killing him, you know, all of these things. And that story went all over the world in that time period. And many, many people came to Christ because of it. Many others um, were inspired to stand up for their faith because of this person's testimony. And so in this time, you know, we should do both. We should love the world with the love of Jesus, and we should not be ashamed to stand up for the truth. And we should be willing at least to live for a faith that many Christians around the world may have to die for. That's like the least that we can do. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay, we're talking to Johnny Moore and we're talking about his new book, the new book of Christian martyrs. Uh, and you know, in, in, when you're telling that story just now, um, I, I think I'm seeing a pattern of of Jesus, because I, I'm, you know, we, you, you and I are in, you know, similar spaces. You're more on the front line than I am, but we wrestle with how do we address, um, you know, the evil in this world, stand up against it in a Christ-like way. I, I think I see a pattern in Scripture, and I just want your opinion on this. I know we're a little outside the book at this moment, but that's okay. I, I know you can, and I know you're ready for this, but. When Jesus approached the the common sinner, the lowly sinner, the you know the outcast, um, even you know the ones who may have held some lower level of authority, like a tax collector or something, uh, he always approached them with compassion. But it seems like the more power they held in society, the the stronger he went after them. Whether it was the religious leaders. Uh, he, he didn't go after the Romans quite as hard. Is there, is there anything you think to showing more compassion towards those who 
are out of power and showing more firmness towards those who are in power? I mean, you know, the, the Bible teaches us that um, you should not long for places of authority mm-hmm. uh, because they're places of more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a kingdom principle. I mean, I, I think that if you're a leader of any type, if you lead your business, if you lead your ministry, if you're in government or whatever it is, your local school system, if you're in, if you're a student in your school and you are, you know, a, a, a better known person on your sports team than someone else. Okay. Yeah. If you're in any place of leadership, the kingdom principle clear in the Bible is that you have increased responsibility. Huh. It doesn't mean you're a more perfect person. It doesn't mean that you get less grace than everyone else. The grace of Jesus is like manifest, manifest to everyone, but it does mean that you have responsibility. And I, and I do think that irked Jesus, especially <laughs> when people who had authority um, chose to misuse their responsibility in advance of something um, that hurt people. Okay. Because that's ultimately what happens yeah, yeah. Uh, when you deny the truth to people or you use your place of position for, for other things. And yeah, that's, that's definitely the first rule of, of the Bible in many ways. And certainly following Jesus. And this one of the first lessons of the persecuted church is that the, the world is guided by a principle of self-preservation. Okay. But Christians are guided by a principle of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We are those who choose, if we can, to sacrifice ourselves for the good for the good of other people. There's nothing more gospel-like than that. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, I, I knew I could ask you a question like that, and you'd have a great answer. <laughs> I appreciate that. Back to the book, and, and we could go on with stories and stories and stories for hours. Uh, but the point is that. It would really be a great book for you guys watching to to pick up uh, and just you know pick it up from time to time. Go to read a story and see how it inspires you. Uh, here here's a little bit of an academic question for you. You're talking about Polycarp, born in the first century, died in the second century, um, so very close to the time of Christ. Which and and you you know you talk about when he when the a fragrance going up. How do you how do you sort through with the older stuff some of the and we've all read obituary, or we've all been to a, a funeral where someone got up and said something about someone who had died, and you're like, I knew that guy. That's a little bit much, right? <laughs> you, stories grow. Stories grow. How do you sort sort of the, the legend from the truth, or do you just kind of report on what's been handed down over the years? Yeah, you, you well, if you're me, not a historian, the first thing you do is call a historian to be your co-author, <laughs> okay. which is what I did. Uh, with, with Jerry Pattengill uh, from Indiana Wesleyan. And this was a big challenge, right? Because in, in yeah. academic terms, um, of some of these uh, accounts are what, what they call hagiographic, right? So they're, they're um, the way history has been passed on, but they're, but you, you, you don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes there's evidence in the case of like Perpetua, you know, this amazing, amazing woman who was an early martyr, um, by the way, let me just say something about Perpetua, and then I'll finish the answer to the question. <laughs> if if you ask any Christian who knows anything about history to name a famous old historical Christian, they'll say uh, somewhere they'll mention Augustine, right? Saint Augustine, mm. the the famous Saint Augustine. But if you were asking Saint Augustine when he was alive, mm. who he admired, like we admire Saint Augustine, if you ask Saint Augustine who he admired, he would say. Perpetual. This this young Christian woman, she died at 22 years old. She wasn't from a poor family. She was from a noble family, actually, which 
um, made the situation more complicated mm. because it was like shame on her whole family in that Roman society that she had left their life and followed this Jesus. And then they they killed her in a grotesque way. And the story goes that she um, put her hair up uh, right before her death uh, because it was a sign of, of dignity. You know, was, if your hair was disheveled and down, it was a sign of mourning. So she wanted to go into heaven with her dignity intact in defiance of all of those crazy mobs and ready for Jesus and all of these things. It's an amazing story. But the beautiful thing about her story is um, she was a prolific writer. So we have her diary. Oh, wow. She wrote about her experience in jail before she was killed, before they took her. She writes about how dark it was. She writes about nursing her newborn child. She writes about all of these things. And there's nothing in that account that's like, sounds very supernatural. It's just like regular, yeah, right? Yeah. And so so you do have to balance these things. And one of the decisions that we made is, is we decided to tell the stories as they were mainly told throughout throughout history. Um, not to not to take a side, you know, on on whether the accounts are exactly as they were um, at at the time, sure. but as known. But a third of the book is all things from our modern time, and and we know those things were were, were true. We've talked to survivors, we've talked to family members, yeah. we've everything else. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> you get you get too academic about it, and you can just kill a project. So I appreciate that you're keeping sort of the heart of the stories. Uh, definitely more more interesting. Um, is are there any that jumped out at you that maybe surprised you or that really just stood out? I mean, I know a lot of them do, but was there anything in this that you're like, wow, I, I've never heard this story before, and people need to hear it? Yeah, I mean, there there are just like there's so many. I mean, um, like Afghanistan, mm -hmm. you know. I, uh, a country that has been in the mind of everybody in the world for 20 years. And there was this guy named Tom, uh, I, I, I think his last name was Copeland. And Tom was in Afghanistan himself for over 20 years as an optometrist hmm. and just serving people. Didn't Taliban in charge, the king in charge, governments in and out, rockets flying, terrorists coming, the Russians, the Americans, the Pakistan didn't matter hmm. over 20 years he woke up every day he found people that needed their eyes fixed hmm. and he fixed them wow and that's what he did faithfully day in and day out and day in and day out like this is a christian who everybody in the world should know and he died one day he was he you know that was uh, in a village they misunderstood or something while while they were there the terrorists killed him and the whole group hmm. And his wife later on was able to recover his journal. Mm. And the journal stained with his blood. And the it, and and it, he she could decipher from the journal the devotional that he gave from the team gave to the team that very morning wow. before before they went out. You know, the, there's stories like this that are just. I mean, the book is is filled. With, there are these like um, nuns in Yemen. Um, uh, that were uh, these ISIS terrorists showed up. At, they were some of the last um, lights of of of, uh, of of Jesus in that entire part of the world. These terrorists come. One nun hid in a refrigerator while the terrorist either kidnapped or killed everybody else. Mm. And we have her eyewitness account. Mm. And and 
it's almost like they had a premonition a few days before that something something was coming and then there are all the there are all the historic stories and yeah. and sort of the sad thing is actually there are lots of stories in christian history and we included them in the book some of them where the martyrdom didn't come at the hands of you know an islamic extremist or a communist or a, a, you know a non-believer of some sort but it was like christians killing Christians. Oh, really? Because one thought they had the the truth and the other uh, was 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 wrong. And and I think we have to face that too. You know, a large part of our history is friendly fire. How, how common is that? Uh, like several centuries. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking in percentages, but um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 not. And, and you, you, you feel the tendency now not to kill anyone. Yeah. But you can see in certain societies at certain time periods when when Christians, it's one of the things I really loved about uh, Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham had this had this uh, um, rule, sort of an unspoken rule that he would not criticize yeah. your believers. Right. Yeah. It was he got in trouble for it. Uh-huh. You know, he was uh, he was talking to Catholics on the other side of the Iron Curtain, curtain and making the U.S. government angry, <laughs> doing, doing all of these things. But he refused to publicly criticize another another believer, uh, and unfortunately, we're living in a time where um, it some somehow feels um, the, you know, some people. I think I think they feel like they're doing the church and the world a favor um, uh, by by the friendly fire. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. we're an imperfect church. Um, yeah, it's not going to change. That, that drives me. <laughs> Look, if you got a problem with an idea, a disagreement over an idea go after the idea but but let's not slaughter our own metaphorically uh i am so with you and billy graham told my dad that years ago uh and it changed him and 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 so yeah i'm with it all right last question for you i I love this i could keep going forever um but i I will respect your time and the audience as well and i'm gonna ask you to speculate unless you have something in the book that that you have a hard answer for this but um what do you think just go out on a limb with me here. Those right. who have been martyred for the faith, if they could speak to us today, do you have any idea what they might say to us living in this time? I, I think they would say um, it was worth it. Mm. I think I think they would um, they would tell us that the gospel is more valuable than we ever could possibly realize. And it's like when Jesus said um, that, uh, you know, the, the, the gospel was like a, a man um, who found a treasure buried in a field mm-hmm. and he sold everything he had just to buy the field to get the treasure. And by everything, he meant everything. And the clothes on his back, the, mm-hmm. his roof is all of these things. And and then and then we learn that the gospel is free, you know. God just God just gives it to us. And I think um, all those Christians in Hebrews eleven, when you read those incredible incredible accounts, at the end of it, it talks about those who are sold in two and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I th- I think they would all say, um, you know, the gospel the gos- the gospel was 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 worth it. And we hope. I mean, every day. I'm a, I'm a religious freedom activist. Like every day I'm working to make sure there are fewer martyrs in the world. And that is a righteous biblical thing to do. 
you know, Paul said, pray that we're delivered from wicked and from evil people. God loves justice. He wants, he doesn't want people dying even for him. Okay. And, and yet, um, for those few people in history, uh, that face that dilemma in our modern and in our pastime, I think if they could talk to us, they would just say the gospel was worth it. Don't take the gospel for granted. It's the most important blessing in your life. It's a pearl. Wow. What, what a great reminder. Uh, Johnny, man, I appreciate this. Appreciate the conversation. Is there anything you want uh, people to know before I let you go? I don't think so. It's a pleasure pleasure talking to you. Absolutely, man. And uh, you can uh, reach Johnny at uh, jdaworldwide.com. Website looks like this, so you'll recognize it when you get there. And, of course, uh, go check out the book. It's available now wherever you get books. Uh, It'll challenge you. It'll encourage you. It'll inspire you. It'll sober you. Uh, It's the new book of Christian Martyrs. Pick it up. Be inspired. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.